Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Ruler podcast. Well, we're all just a little bit Welsh now, aren't we? Yeah, do Roglic or Roman Dim Shigamit Neil Berrigal, Chris Froome, Nag, Geraint Thomas. So I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there. So that's a very good morning, I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there. Well, my Tom Dumel, I'm hech bech and all, are in a bridge. And that is from the Tour de France coverage of S4C, the Welsh language TV channel, featuring one of our guests today, rock guitarist, cycling fanatic and commentator, Peridir Apgwenneth. Perry, welcome. I can't imagine that Geraint Thomas's win made much of an impact in Wales, did it? (laughs) You know what? It went slightly Geraint crazy. It's still going Geraint crazy. Um, Hasn't sunk in. Well, for me, yeah, personally, you know, we're now speaking. It's a week late, uh, a week later, and it still hasn't sunk in that he won the bloody thing. Really, it's amazing. All the castles in Wales were lit up yellow uh, just for Geraint. It was such a Welsh thing. So many there were so many poems written about about him, songs written about him. You know, it was it's just it, the whole place is still Geraint mental at the minute. How many of the stages did you actually get out for this year? I was working on location for the first six and the last three, and then I was commentating for more, uh, but we do the commentating uh, in Wales. So it's, uh, But I was out there for the first six stages and the final three. So you were in Paris? Yes, absolutely, yeah. But more importantly, we were in Espeleta the day before for the uh, time trial, and honestly, the, the amount of Welsh flags that we saw there, there and in Paris, actually, it was just mind-blowing. So it's the, uh, you know, walking out... At, Around the streets of Espaleta, the two language, languages that you heard the most was Welsh and Basque. It was uh, something else, I must say. And I remember last time you were on, um, you know, talking about the uh, uh, the tour and and the Welsh language commentary. Um, you were talking about you know how remarkable it would be to see a Geraint Thomas victory. Did you did you think it was possible? No. Absolutely not. I, I don't think Geraint did either, you know, because you know, there's all, all this talk about him and Froome being co-leaders. You know, Froome was the leader. He's got four Tour de France under his belt, you know, uh, and he's going for fifth. He was definitely the leader until Col de Porte. You know, people say, oh, no, but he cracked on um, Arbre d'Huez and, you know, 
in the second week and, and on that little climb to Mond and just like, hang on a minute. Remember the Giro? He was he, he was losing minutes in the second week in, at the Giro and he was like four and a half minutes down at, uh, on the second rest day. You know, it's like, that's what Froome did then. You know, he was still the leader up in Col de Porte, I reckon. I didn't realise till I was talking to you um, uh, a few minutes ago, just before we started, that uh, Geraint Thomas doesn't speak Welsh, but Dave Brailsford does. Uh, Geraint speaks a little bit, you know, he, sp- he speaks the odd word, but Sarah, his uh, wife, is uh, f- fluent. She's watched the first language. Uh, Geraint's dad speaks Welsh, the first language. Uh, all of Sarah's family speaks Welsh. Um, but Brailsford, he moved to a place called Dain which is in North Wales, in Snowdonia, uh, when he was a kid, and learnt Welsh because Welsh is the, is the language I've spoken uh, in that little village. And uh, yeah, through his teenage years, Welsh was his the language that he spoke on the street, you know, or in school. And um, and we got Dave a couple of times to do uh, an interview in Welsh for us, you know, which is fantastic. And you've got a bit of a sort of Welsh pro peloton establishing itself, as in a Welsh Welsh speaking pro peloton establishing itself. But the one thing I realised at the beginning of the tour, before the first stage, was there was twice as many Welsh people uh, in the peloton this year than there were English people. You know, it was only Adam Yates. Uh, I found it quite odd. There was only the one guy, you know, but there was two Welsh guys, you know, uh, Luke and Geraint. But next year. With the addition of Stevie Williams is going to Bahrain, we've you know we've still got Owen Duell and we've got Scott Davis and Luke and Garrett, so it's five in total now. And I imagine you'll be there next year. I would bloody hope so. <laughs> it was it was such you know it was such a weird thing for us you know to well we we. Geraint wore the yellow for a few. We won the first stage last year and wore, wore the yellow for uh, for a few uh, stages, you know, and that was amazing for us. But for him to start wearing the yellow halfway through the Tour de France this year and to keep it, you know, and we were, we were all thinking, what the hell is going to happen? Do you think he's going to win this? And we were like, and nobody was saying that he was going to win it. It's, it's like, no, we didn't want to jinx it. And uh, then we didn't jinx it, which is quite good. He won the damn thing. <laughs> and it seemed that I mean, th- there was, you know, as we said, a degree of antagonism um, from some of the crowd towards Sky this year. But it did seem that sort of Geraint Thomas's uh, victory um, counteracted some of that because I think people were more accepting of, of Geraint as a, as a person than, what, shall we say, Chris Froome? Well, yeah, you know, the, the whole terrible PR debacle that Sky, that happened with Sky, you know, from, was it November onwards? You know, was it October onwards? You know, it was a bit of a PR disaster, really, and see Geraint wearing the yellow instead of Froome. Maybe it's a bit of a breath of fresh air, but everybody I spoke, speaking to in his own technique... You know, it didn't matter where they were from. There was everyone was saying, "Good luck. This is the best thing that can ha- that can happen to cycling right now." Broadcasters from France, from Australia, from the UK, from you know, from all over the world, to some of the pro- uh, the pros and ex pros that I was talking to as well. You know, the, the, the guys that um, that were working on the tour this year, and it, it, yeah, they were all saying it's the best thing that can happen to because you know, Garrett is such a nice guy. You know, nobody's got a bad word to say about him, you know, because he is a really, really nice guy, you know, and lovely to talk to. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, breath fresh air. 
Now, we're also uh, joined by Ian Cleverly, executive editor of Rouleur. And you were out uh, in France this year as well. In fact, I'm the only person in the room who didn't manage to see any of the tour this year. So if you're feeling a bit left out there. Yeah, I did three stages in the Pyrenees. Um, the one I really wanted to see was the 65k stage, the Col de Porte, because uh, it was interesting on lots of levels. The grid start, which was a non-start, you know, it was kind of like, it was so predictable what was going to happen, you know, that, that okay, off you go. And then everybody just looks around and waits for the, everything to sort itself out within a couple hundred meters. It was just normal service resumed. It was just a, there must be a way around that someone, I can't remember which rider it was, was suggesting why don't you put the, uh, fast riders at the back and the slower ones at the front and see what happens then. That would be quite, like stock car racing, that would be quite, would be quite interesting. I'm um, loath to criticise ASO for trying something new. Fine, try, tried it, it didn't work. No problem, move on. And, you know, that's it. That one's, I think we can safely say, is dead in the water. Um, but the short stage worked quite well. The short stage I thought was fantastic. I, I, you know, I saw some people kind of like probably more traditionalist people going, well, you know, what's wrong with a three-hour preamble before you actually start racing? Well, okay, well, yeah, but why do you need that every day? It doesn't need it. You know, gun goes, off you go, race for two and a half, two hours, 20 minutes, I think it was. I thought it was great racing from start to finish. And what was the atmosphere like on, on the hills and what, uh, what were the crowds like? Because you were with some Colombians at one point, or near Colombians at one point, weren't you? The Colombians go a little bit nuts, a little bit nuts. With actually, I must say, good backing vocals from Nor- Norwegians. Uh, I mean, fair play to the Norwegians. They love it. They, I don't know if you've ever stood in a mat with Norwegians, but they, we, we, we were in the same hotel as a bunch of uh, guys, and, and we'd seen them earlier in the day. One of them had a massive speaker on his back, and they were just playing uh, ABBA and all sorts of crap. <laughs> and just, just having, a, you know, having a great time. But, but the Colombians, when they saw Quintana, who was still about a mile away from us, I swear, I, I swear they, they thought they were going to wet themselves. It was, they were going nuts. Uh, that was great, great fun. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a massive, massive crowd, which I was kind of pleased to see. It was, it was decent size, no, no outrageous drunkenness. Weren't, we weren't, didn't have lots of... It wasn't an Alp style nuts kind of thing. Um, it was just a good good day out. Yeah, light term. The Colombians must be in a sort of permanent state of thinking, this year is going to be our year with Quintana and now um, Banal. You know, it's they've got to have a winner soon. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and yet it just keeps... Rolling on, doesn't it? I mean, our Bernal, I thought, was awesome from start to finish. Absolutely amazing. And, and you know, pe- people kind of looked at the fact that Sky had included this 21-year-old kid in their lineup and were kind of, ooh, no, that's, that's too soon for him. He'll burn out or whatever. But he didn't show any signs of any weaknesses whatsoever. He was just absolutely amazing. So if he... He's, he's as good a bet as they got. Quintana, I, I just can't see it happening for him. He just hasn't got that little extra something to be a winner of the tour anyway. Geraint Thomas's victory aside, it, it was a bit of an odd tour, wasn't it? Well, yeah, a lot of the favourites crashed out. You had Uran crashing out, Port, Nibali, and uh, so a lot of the guys... Well, so you had Roglic, Geraint, and the two guys that did the Giro, basically, at the end, you know, and you kind of saw towards the end of the third week, uh, Dumoulin and Froome didn't have that, you know, that top end of speed that they actually needed to win the thing and 
yeah, so it was a bit of a four horse race at the end, but um, yeah, it would have been such a such an amazing race as well if, if the other guys hadn't crashed out. Such we did a piece on on the website where all the office, you know, editorial staff were asked to choose our favourite this, that, and the other, least favourite, blah blah blah, and um, I put down as my least favourite stage, and I felt terrible putting this down, but was the cobbled stage. And everybody else put that as their favourite. <laughs> and I, I, I get that. By all means, throw in a couple of sectors or something. But what was it, 20, 20k or something on, on, on cobbles? And it just, it just ruins the race. <laughs> to, 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 it, some people are out of it from, from there on, the GC contenders. And I, I just hate to see that. Do you think this is actually a sort of really big turning point in... Geraint Thomas's career, or do you think you know this is? Do you, do you think he's st- do you think he's going to get stronger from this point onwards, or do you think this is the highlight? Well, I think he's always been this strong. This whole thing because he's been Froome's domestique for the last and and Wiggins for the last God knows how many years. You know, you know he's he's finished twice top fifteen, I think. As a domestique, that's pretty good. You know, so you know he's been busting the gut, and then he's. His strength has kind of tapered in the last few days, you know. But he's, I think he's always had it. But um, will he be riding the tour for Sky next year? I have no idea. As, as I mentioned earlier, you've got that one guy in there who's on four Tour de France, and he desperately wants the fifth. You know, if he's if he's got the fifth, then he's up there with Merckx, you know, whatever. Um, but I'd imagine that's what Sky would choose for him next year would be to do the Giro and the Vuelta maybe because um, I still think that Froome desperately desperately needs the fifth Tour de France and I think Sky want him to do it as well. Okay hang around because uh, we need to check up on the activities of our roving fashion expert Stuart Clapp. So it is time now to catch up with uh, Ruler Desire editor, Stuart Clapp. Stuart, where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm on a hillside, desolate, somewhere in in Devon, actually. I'm not entirely sure where I am. I just followed the uh, navigation thing and the sat-nav, but I think I'm near Lyme Regis, which I don't know whether that's in Dorset or Devon, but... I'm on a hillside, and it's the only place I could get 4G to uh, call in. I think Lyme Regis is in Dorset. I thoroughly recommend it. Ah, oh, you teed me up for that one, you old sausage. I've always always wanted to go take my little boy fossil hunting, so um, we're going to go fossil hunting. What's the worst that could happen? Jurassic Park is the worst that could happen, I imagine. Well, yeah, it could, yeah. I won't be bringing anything back to life. On the work front, last time I saw you, uh, was on a ruler clothing shoot, a kit shoot in uh, in Norfolk. Now, what are the chances of that? Because I didn't know that you were round the corner, and I said, oh, I'm just round the corner. For, I'm, I'm in I'm Wells Next Sea, and uh, shooting for 18.6. I was actually struggling. Because you came through for this. Grey kits are, are quite cool. I quite like a grey kit. But they don't necessarily photograph that well. So I needed something to set it off. 
And then you happen to be round the corner with your grey greyhound. Blue greyhound, I think. She'd be offended if you called her grey, yeah. Blue. All oh, right, yeah, she, she would, yeah. She's, um, she sort of walked strutted in and owned the place. But, yeah, that, that's, there's a pretty, bit of a cool story, actually. With the, the, the back story is with that shoot is that I've been trying to get... So there's this company called Living Architecture, and I've got a bit of a, a thing for Alan de Botton, like the author and philosopher, I, I guess he is now. And um, he founded this company called Living Architecture, and it's the, it's, they run these amazing sort of grand design-esque buildings all around the country. Grayson Perry's House for Essex is one of them. I've always wanted to do shoot, shoot there, but it's always booked up. But anyway, I dropped them a line, and they said, oh, check out the Longhouse which is in Wells next sea in, in Norfolk, because they have a lot of cyclists that stay there because apparently it's a very popular cycling area. And actually having been there, yeah, I can see why. It's pretty fantastic around there. And um, so, yeah, we booked it up and that's when we did the shoot. And, uh, and, and your dog came through. What were the sort of highlights of the kit that, uh, that you had? But basically what happens at a shoot is that we line all the kit out in the morning and I have a rough idea of what's going to go with what. You, you sort of go through it and you go, we're going to do that, we'll do that. But as the day goes on, I don't know if we get bored of each other's company or slightly delirious, but as the day goes on, the shoot gets weirder and weirder. And that's when something fun always happens, like a memorable thing in the shoot. Like when they did, I think this time last year, maybe longer, we shot Malcolm Jeffries at the Ace Hotel. That started off as a normal shoot and then it ended up with him wearing a pair of pants on a balcony wearing nothing but a helmet and a smile. Did you end up in the bath this time? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I don't want to give the game away too much. Um, but, yeah, we haven't had any complaints yet, but uh, I think we might be heading there with this one. No, you you can't see anything, right? So there's this kit that I really liked, and I wanted to put it in there, and you get you get an idea of a kit, and like, and then and then you go, oh, what, what if we did that? What if we did this? And... For some reason, I've been talking that morning about... You remember Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman when she's in the bath and she lays there and she's listening to Prince. She's got a Walkman. So I tried to find a Walkman to go with this kit. And then I, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Rather than have it in the jersey pocket, why don't we just recreate that scene? So we got in a bath, filled it up with washing up liquid um, because we didn't have any, any like... Uh, you know, bubble bath or anything with us. And I got in and, uh, yeah, I had that sh- shot and it, it, it's, well, it's quite something. Now, we've been talking about the um, Tour de France um, with uh, Perry and Ian here. And um, obviously, Geraint Thomas's win was emotional for a lot of people. Um, you were watching it, I presume? Yeah, it, I... I... <sighs> I've watched the Tour de France. I watch it. I've watched it for years and years and years. And, and occasionally, I am reminded, like especially this year, of why I love cycling and got into the sport in the first place. And even thinking about Geraint Thomas's win gives me goosebumps now. There's something, there's something about his win that really I don't. I could, you know what? Um. I'm welling up. I think just thinking about. Well, I'm sorry. We seem to be losing our connection with Stuart in Devon or Dorset. It does give me time to remind you about the Ruler Classic. Sean Kelly is the latest legend to be added to the lineup. London, November the first to the third. Tickets are on sale now, and all details are on RulerClassic.cc. 
If you're inspired by the thought of Stuart in the bath, Ruler 18.6 is out soon. If you're inspired by the picture of Lola the Blue Greyhound, check out the Retired Greyhound Trust online. Don't shop, adopt. My mate asked me if I was crying and I said, no, I'm scratching my face. And he believed me. Well, this is the Ruler podcast. I'm with Peridia Aquinath and Ian Cleverly. There's been a lot of uh, focus on the grassroots um, cycling in in Wales, especially around the uh, Mindy Velodrome in in Cardiff. Have you um, seen or heard of any evidence of like a you know a huge upsurge in interest over the past few months? Well, um, it's been there really since uh, Beijing in 2008. It's since Garrett was part of that team. You know, it's, it's been there for. 10 years um from what i see yeah it, it's gone yeah, people are buying bikes left right and center and it is going to make a big difference Garant winning this is going to make a big difference for cycling in wales you know what, what we've got at the minute there's uh, the oldest velodrome i think in in the world is has been retarmarked in Carmarthen. so they've refurbished that and then there's a new one in uh, i think in pembrey as well around, around that area and so yeah it's it's been huge in Wales since 2008 uh, and it's just going to grow even bigger now. I can't see it you know, I can't see it going any smaller to tell you the truth but it's going to be massive it's going to be huge you know so you're going to see a lot of young um, talent emerging from Wales you know they get moved from the rugby to cycling hopefully <laughs> well I imagine you'd uh, like to hear what our roving correspondent Brian Home thinks of uh, training young riders uh, Brian Home uh, DS of Quickstep He's got an opinion. You won't be uh, surprised to hear. So uh, let's hear it. But first, uh, let's hear his unique theme tune. No, with really young kids starting, uh, of course, I got it quite close because my son, he's uh, 14, getting 15 uh, next week. And it's kind of interesting because uh, when my old kid was never my dream, he should be a cyclist. I always said, Albert, you're never going to be a cyclist. It's just too hard. You're going to break your bones. And uh, it's very, very difficult to have certain success in cycling. And uh, there was a dirty race on the track in Copenhagen. And uh, one year ago, two years ago, and uh, Posato, he was riding. And uh, suddenly my son, he asked me, can I join? He would have been 13. I said, yes, you want to see a cycling race? Yes, yes, he wanted to. And uh, he joined me. So we met Mr. Posato, just to say how important it is to act well, because, I mean, cyclist superstars like Posato have to understand that make young kids coming to cycling also. So Posato, he spoke a few words with my son, and we saw the race. And he's a big boy, Posato. Good color, few tattoos, Going back in the car, my son saying, damn, he was cool. He was looking cool. He said, daddy, can I be a cyclist also? And I said, ah, oh, here we go. So he started on the track. And when you started something, when you when you have it in your blood, I think it's, you're going to continue. He starts to understand, you know, the whole thing with the closing, with the bikes. Oh, dear, with, with the carbon wheels, quite expensive, and, and so on. And... Uh, but for sure, he's still young, and I think for the young kids, it's just important. It doesn't really matter if they're winning or losing. It has to be like 
good friends. I see him, you know, my wife been out with my mother in the local club. They cooking on Tuesdays after training, making sandwiches, whatever they're doing, food for the kids. So it's very important they just have a good time. And we need to pace them up. We need to make training programs so on. When they get juniors, maybe, but uh, they just have to like the sport. They have to learn the technique. I think for a young kid, you can do a bit of BMX when they're younger quite going to be useful the rest of their life, BMX, cyclocross, mountain bike, or the track. Most people would be close to a track. If they don't have a track, they probably have a forest where they can go with the, with the mountain bike or or with the cross bike, or they can be so lucky. They can be so uh, so lucky that's going to be a BMX track. was very good, but going to have a very, very good technique. So just have fun in the start. Oh, well, that's it from this podcast. Thanks to Ian Cleverly. Uh, Perry, thank you for joining us. Um, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you. And uh, hopefully look forward to hearing you commentating and talking about more Welsh success in the future. Me too. <laughs> Can we play you out in proper style with uh, Mehain Vlad Vanahadai, Land of My Fathers? Feel free to join in. I certainly will. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.